For our communion meditation this morning, I want to talk very briefly on Psalm 45, uh, verse 5, but I'm going to begin by reading the first seven verses. My heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. And in speaking to Christ, he says, You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword upon your thigh, O mighty one, with your glory and your majesty. And in your majesty ride prosperously because of truth, humility, and righteousness. And your right hand shall teach you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. This is a marvelous psalm. Hebrews chapter 1 quotes it twice as referring to the glorified Jesus. Jesus in his glorified state uh, right now. In fact, this is uh, one of the great proofs of the deity of Christ because addressing the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. But um, this is a beautiful description of the advancement of Christ's kingdom as he subdues his enemies under him and prepares a bride for himself. Now, we haven't read about the bride. The bride is being described in the second half of the psalm, but the amazing thing I want to look at this morning is that the very enemies that Jesus is subduing under his feet in the first verses become the bride, become his dear friend in the second half of this psalm. And so he's not like the kings of men who rape and pillage and destroy and bring nothing but misery and death. Yes, he does destroy. He destroys the old uh, high things that have exalted themselves against the knowledge of God. He tears down our old identity and he says to the bride, forget your people, leave that behind. But then he makes all things new and he does so by the weapons of his grace. And I want to just look at those spiritual weapons right now. In verse 2, it talks about grace being poured upon Christ's lips. Let me tell you something. If the words that came out of Jesus' lips were not accompanied by grace, it would be your destruction. Because we, none of us, live in ourselves up to the words that He gives. It would be our judgment. And yet we can praise the Lord that grace was poured upon Christ's lips. And then it goes on to say in verse 3 that he straps this sword upon his thigh. It's a sword by which he subdues people to himself. And I think the two are talking about the same thing. The word from Christ's mouth is the sword by which he smites uh, his enemies. That's what uh, the New Testament says, that the word of Christ, the word of God, is that two-edged sword, the sword of the Spirit. Then in verse 3, excuse me, in verse 4, he talks about some other weapons, truth, humility, righteousness, becoming the arrows in verse 5, arrows that pierce to the heart. Now, who would think that truth would actually win the day on planet Earth 
or that humility would conquer of all things. Who would think that? Or that righteousness uh, would succeed, and yet that's exactly what God promises to Jesus, and God is a God who never lies. He says, Christ will indeed subdue all enemies under his feet through exactly those tools. And then it speaks of Christ's kingdom. This is what results from these weapons uh, that he is using and his rule in verse 6 and the righteousness that he promotes and the oil that anoints the Lord Jesus and anoints his people. Just like one other psalm talked about the oil being poured out upon Aaron and it's coming down upon the body. It's representative of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon the Lord Jesus Christ and upon his body as uh, he is with us to extend the Great Commission uh, to the ends of the earth. So that's kind of the gist of what this psalm is talking about as he prepares a bride for himself. And with that as a background, what I want to do is read a poem written by Charles Spurgeon, which I think gives an exegesis of this psalm far better than I could. And as I read this, I want you to be thanking God that he fought against you and that he conquered you and brought you to a position of loving the very conqueror and kissing his feet. And so let me read uh, the battle hymn from Charles Spurgeon. Forth to the battle rides our king. He climbs the conquering car. He fits his arrows to the string and hurls his bolts afar. Convictions pierce the stoutest hearts. They smart, they bleed, they die. Slain by Emmanuel's well-aimed darts, in helpless heaps they lie. Behold, he bears his two-edged sword and deals almighty blows. His all-revealing, killing word twixt joints and marrow goes. Who can resist him in the fight? He cuts through coats of mail. Before the terror of his might, the hearts of rebels fail. Anon, arrayed in robes of pe a grace, he rides the trampled plain with pity beaming in his face and mercy in his train. <laughs> Mighty to save, he now appears. Mighty to raise the dead. Mighty to staunch the bleeding wound and lift the fallen head. Victor alike in love and arms, myriads around him bend. Each captive owns his matchless charms. Each foe becomes his friend. They crown him on the battlefield. They press to kiss his feet. Their hands, their hearts, their all they yield. His conquest is complete. None love him more than those he slew. His love their hate has slain. Henceforth their souls are all on fire to spread his gentle reign. And as we come to the Lord's table this morning, let's thank and praise the Lord Jesus. He was willing to fight against us, to conquer us, to add us to the bride of Jesus Christ that this psalm talks about so much. Let's thank Him that through His Word, yes, He deals death blows to our flesh, but you know what? He does it because He loves us and He resurrects and makes all things new within our lives. Amen? This is the Christ who loves us, who gave his life for us. And so let's bow our knees, just as that psalm said. Let's kiss his feet and let's say to the Lord as we come to the Lord's table, Lord, I love the fact that you are my Lord, that you are my Savior. I especially love the last two lines there. 
None love him more than those he slew. His love their hate has slain. Henceforth their souls are all on fire to spread his gentle reign. Let's make that our commitment to him, to spread his gentle reign. He's made a commitment to us. He's given his all for us. As we come to the Lord's table, let's give our all to him. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful to you for this majestic war that you engage in, in conquering a people for yourself and turning your enemies into your beloved bride. We are so grateful, Father, so grateful that we could not only be incorporated in that, but Father, you have made us a part of this church militant that is advancing your kingdom irresistibly. And Father, we believe that. We know that you are a God who cannot lie and we take this communion as your testimony to the fact that of the increase of Christ's kingdom and of peace, there will be no end. And Father, we commit ourselves to be foot soldiers in your kingdom and we love you. We kiss your feet. We are so grateful to be a part of this process that you have given uh, to build your church so that even the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And I pray as we partake of this communion that you would stir up faith in our hearts, faith in your promises, faith to expect great things from you and to attempt great things for you. And to that end, I pray that you would set aside these common elements to a holy use and that you would be glorified in our partaking. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.